for another episode of Between Two GMs with special guest Oppie from Frightening Unicorn Games. Hello and welcome to the Advanced Age Roleplaying Gamers Podcast. I'm Nathan. I'm your host, and I've got my co-host with me tonight, uh, Matt. Say hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. Good job. Good job. And we, our special guest for our Between Two GMs episode is Opti of Fragging Unicorn Games and a lot of other stuff, which we're yes. talking about. So, <laughs> I, can, I can have that in later. Advanced <laughs> Age Opti. That's who I am. <laughs> so, so tell us about... Uh, Tell us about yourself, and if you can give us a background of how you got into gaming and, and what, what what it was like for you growing up gaming. Sure. Um, in in brief, uh, my name's Opti. That's not my real name. Uh, they called me something different growing up. They called me Chad. Uh, but now Chad's an internet thing, so I go by Opti. <laughs> because, <laughs> because, because I'm not the internet Chad thing. So, um, but yeah, I'm the, the founder of Fragging Unicorns, the developer of Subversion, to the Neo Anarchist podcast, uh, and, and a bunch of other stuff. But uh, growing up gaming, I grew up in the early 80s and, and mid 80s too, but when playing role playing games was sort of taboo in some places so uh the first i got a hold of it was third grade and my friend michael had a copy of uh the monster manual the original dd monster manual and was like showing people and i was like what is this i was blown away and he's like this is D D, we're gonna start a new compagion. I, I promise he said compagion. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And but for the longest time I thought the word campaign was was pronounced compagion because that's what Mike in third grade said. But we started playing a game and it lasted like five seconds. It didn't matter. I told my mom to get me the games and I bought every single I shouldn't say my mom bought me every single <laughs> the Dungeons and Dragons book. And I knew those books particularly Monster Manual, Monster Manual 2, Feed Folio, Legends and Lore. I devoured those and knew those better than any other piece of uh, paper that was put in front of me. And uh, my friends and I, we played to death. We made characters like that. We would just, you know, spend the night with each other. And that's all we do is make characters uh, for games we'd never play. Because when we started again, all we wanted to do is make characters again. <laughs> uh, and then I must have beat every single god in single combat in Legends oh, of Lore. Right. I guess that's what we did back then. Right. I, I also. Because that's what you do when you're eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. Right. Like you just. You get these tools to let the stories in your brain come out, and and this that was the, the coolest thing ever, right? So D and D was my first thing. Um, I had the red box, I had the blue box. Uh, I think I skipped the two in between and got the gold box, but also all the AD and D books. That was my jam. My second book that I ever got because I was looking for something else. I was like, what if there's other D and D stuff? And, and I went to this uh, this uh, this this bookstore in the mall. And uh, they had TMNT and Other Strangeness, mm, uh, which yeah. was a Palladium uh, yep. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book. And I got that. And, of course, again, same thing. I made a billion characters never played. Um, my friend bought Shadowrun, which I uh, devoured. We never got a chance to play, but I devoured that game. And then I got into high school and started playing football. And it was just not worth 
<laughs> it was just not worth the the hassle, right? Uh, to to come out and be out with my D D stuff. So <laughs> yeah, my yeah. my comic book and um and role playing game stuff sort of went on the sly. But I did have a group that met together on on Friday nights after school. And then we had to stop. This is the last time I played Dungeons and Dragons for years. We had to stop because the the guy's mom said that it was the devil and you know magic and gods and all that kind of stuff, which made me go like, "Oh, it is right." And like I was like, "Shucks, that sucks." I thought this was cool, right? So, <laughs> so I stopped playing D and D for a while because somebody told me it was bad. But I did keep playing like all the sort of. Um, video games i could dungeon dragons theme video games but the one that really got me was the Shadowrun uh snes and the Shadowrun on genesis i played those to death mm-hmm. i could keep going but essentially i didn't get back into it until uh grad school where i was taking a summer class and these dudes behind me were like blah 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 D tomorrow and i was like D, what else could that possibly mean so i turned around and i was like are you guys talking about dungeon dragons They're like yeah we're gonna start up a, a compagion <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, on saturday and i was like you got room for another one and they're like yeah and i was like yes and all of a sudden i was playing D D again um when that awesome. D campaign ended uh i said hey do you guys want to try out Shatterrun?" and um and they were like we don't we don't know what that is and i was like trust me it's freaking awesome and then i went to go look about how easy it would be to run Shatterrun, and i was like uh-oh <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? Because uh, I remember, I remember the first edition book that that we had, um, and I remember the this SNES game. I remember the Genesis game. But when I started looking into uh, what it would take for me to get competent as a GM in the Shadowrun world, it was a lot more complicated than running a D and D game. Uh, there's a lot more lore, and mm-hmm. that sort of led me to, you know, the next part of my gaming career, which was the podcast. Okay, so the, so they started the podcast after graduate school, or, or yeah, yeah, about ten years ago, twelve years ago. Oh my gosh, it's getting yeah, ten, yeah. It's getting long in the tooth. Um, I, so yeah, about ten years ago, I said like, "Hey guys, you want to start Shadowrun?" And they were like, "Yeah." And I realized that like I couldn't just throw them in this world; I had to explain it to them, right? And I started writing down a whole bunch of stuff, and I was like, "Who wants to read this?" Right? So I I made like an introduction to the world, and I recorded it. And I sent it to everybody, and it was like this in-character dude. It wasn't Opti at that point, just in-character, sort of like, and then it came to pass. And and they were like, oh, this is awesome. We love this. You know, give us more of this. And, I, and th- it was all it took was just that little sort of give us more of this. It was a joke. But then I was like, well, I wonder if anybody else has done this, right? So I looked around the internet. You know, I thought everything's a podcast, right? There's got to be a podcast about Shadowrun history. Because doesn't everybody love Shadowrun history? <laughs> right. and, and so uh, I looked around, there was nothing. And I was like, well, like, here's my moment. Like, let me record a couple of these and, you know, throw them up on the internet and see what happens. And I just, I, it, boom, like it just exploded. And people were like, yes, more of this, please. <laughs> and and so I got committed to hundreds of episodes of the Neil Hackers podcast uh, <laughs> in character Shadowrun history. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's where I got into that. Um, yeah, that's really awesome. And I was telling Matt earlier, um, every time I, I would try to think about running Shadowrun, like either in person or or online, or well, we do this this uh, get together once a year with all of our old college friends, where we we go to rent a cabin and, and drink all weekend and, and play games. So, so that sounds awesome. Can I come? Sure. Uh, <laughs> 
think it's probably September, October this year. I'll see you invite. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so a couple of times I tried running the Shadowrun, and before I I tried to run these games, I would go back and listen to your to your uh, history just so because my memory is terrible. And the last time I tried to run it, I had a like an hour long commute, and those little short tiny. Sh- uh, episodes were perfect. I can get a whole bunch yeah. you know, on the way into work and on the way back. So thank you for that. Those yeah. uh, were invaluable for, for all these games that would run for like one or two sessions. And <laughs> that's it. And then, <laughs> that's you know what? It. One of these days it'll, it'll sink in. One of these days you won't even need the podcast anymore. <laughs> so it was the podcast. Was that, so I have not listened to it, but was yeah. it um, original content that you created or were you, basically just providing sort of character voice for, cause I I've never played Shadowrun except yeah. for Ethan by, well, I own tons of the old books, read them yeah. over and over again because the lore is amazing. Yeah. These are written like, like you're like watch in a movie, you're watching this, right? Play out mm-hmm. characters. So was that what it was drawn from the existing lore or were you also adding lore or. Uh, aside from the, just sort of like story, like little story threads about the character Opti himself. Everything else is drawn from Shadowrun lore. So I, I pictured myself doing a service to people, right, and not giving players anything that the players wouldn't know, right, and just having this as a as a service, right. So if you're starting up a Shadowrun campaign, you listen to this podcast and you'd be like, oh, okay, cool, I get it now. I can sort of exist in this world. Um, a little easier and I can imagine like my character where they fit in this world. And so like anything here in the podcast um, is absolutely right. According to lore. And I, I said, I became a, I became a Shadowrun writer to make sure of that. (laughs) (laughs) So so now you're creating the canon. And I I say that tongue in cheek, but it is actually hundred percent true. Like I wrote a couple of, I had a couple of things in the podcast that weren't quite canon. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, that was, yeah, better than that. That's my, that's my favorite book. Uh, favorite Shadowrun book that I wrote. But um, yeah, I, I, I had some stuff in the podcast and I was like, well, I have to, how am I going to get this into lore? Like, I know I'll become a Shadowrun writer and I'll, and, and I'll write it into lore. And so Opti actually, well, not technically Opti, but like that character is in the Shadowrun lore. Um, I didn't call him Opti because I didn't want to lose the, the rights to right, that character. Right. He's called, oh, right, right, he's called right. Old Crow, right? In the oh, in, Old uh, Crow, okay, yeah. all right. The old Crow is the is Opti in in the Shadow oh, Lord. Okay, I, I didn't put that together. Yeah, um, like I always associated you with with the uh, you know being the the Shadow Run guy. So when I saw that you'd started this uh, fragging unicorn games, uh, I was like, Oh yeah, this guy's cool. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll buy his shit. So, Thank you. Uh, um, <laughs> That's the highest praise, right? I'll buy it. Just, just, just put it on Kickstarter. He has a problem. And he but, will be there. <laughs> honestly, it's easy. If, if I like you and, and you, you're putting out stuff that kind of, vaguely interests me then i'll you yeah. know, i'll go for it <laughs> i will say this if you if you like somebody right you don't have to like their stuff right the biggest the biggest gift you can give somebody that you like is to is to buy their stuff or to support them in what they're doing right so even if you'll never play a game if you like somebody if you're if we're friends with somebody even if you don't like you know um i don't know if your friend makes hammers right if you don't if you don't need a <laughs> hammer buy your friend's goddamn hammer right like because you're friends and you want to support them 
Yeah. Unless yeah. your friend makes houses, like I understand that, but still. <laughs> I mean, are you saying we should buy TTRPG material that we never play? We would never do that, right? <laughs> never, never, it's never. <laughs> yeah, it's but especially like if you if you really believe in what they're doing, or if you're if you're friends with them, then like that to me is a no brainer, right? Buy that stuff mm. all day long. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, so thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> it means a lot. <laughs> so what was the jump from from podcaster to Shadowrun writer to to starting up Fragging Unicorn Games? So the the jump from uh the podcast to writer was pretty pretty easy. I um one of my friends had recently become a freelancer for Shadowrun. And I was like, how did you do that? Like, up to that point, it hadn't even, like, occurred to me that somebody could do that, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I guess somebody has to do that stuff. But, like, I, I thought you had to be, like, part of some club, you know, right, beforehand. Right, right. Um, like, you had to have your, your TTRPG fiction writer card or whatever. <laughs> um, and I was like, how did you do that? I'm like, oh, I put together this portfolio and blah, 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 and I can get you an introduction. And I was like, cool. So at Origins that year, this was, oh, I don't know, 2015 or 16 or so, um, I got an introduction to Jason Hardy, who is the Shatter Online developer, gave him my pitch, and he looked at that, you know, as a paper, you know, portfolio type thing, and he looked at that and says, I'm not going to read that, uh, email it to me, and maybe I'll look at it in a couple of weeks. <laughs> and I was like, cool. And, and as much as that felt like rejection, I was like... <laughs> Uh, all right, <laughs> I'm gonna. <laughs> I'll just do that. <laughs> just give me the timeline. What? How long had you been doing the podcast at that point? Uh, two or three years at that okay. point. Yeah. So, so he, he knew who, who I was, were, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. He did know who right. I was. He was very. He was very friendly. Yeah, okay. But yeah. And so I wasn't. I wasn't like taking it. I, my brain was telling me like, "Oh man, you shut down. What a bitch." <laughs> and then, <laughs> and, but my head was like. Uh, Maybe not. Like maybe just like take him at his word. And, and, he, and Jason's a, a really cool guy. He's a stand-up Pump guy. The brakes. So yeah. I uh, I ended up emailing him over and over and over, and he finally got back to me. He's like, "Yeah, you're on." You know, my first Shadowrun project was the uh, fifth edition Seattle box set, and I got to write oh, the okay. uh, I write the, pit, the the part about Redmond for the Seattle box set, which is you know still my favorite little little area of, of uh, Shadowrun. But then I ended up writing a lot for Shadowrun. I ended up like being one of the go-to people to write stuff um, near the end of 5th edition. Uh, I, I guess I could talk about the things that I that were disappointing, you know, because like if, I, if I'm going to talk about why I started doing Frag and Unicorns, like there is some, there is some frustration, right? But if you want to share that, I, yeah. it's not that I don't want to share it. It's that you know, like some of my friends are still in those areas and Jason Hardy is still one of my friends. And I don't actually blame any of those people for my frustration, right? It, it's just sometimes companies, you know, just go in a different direction than you want to go in or do things in a way that you don't necessarily want. And and so I say that to say that um, Catalyst wasn't particularly bad to me in any particular way. And they weren't immoral, you know, while I was working with them in any way. Um, it's just... It's just their way of doing things and the way that I sort of wanted to do things was sort of rubbing up against each other. But at that same time, uh, and this is uh, this is sort of a couple things happening all at once. Um, for a while, Catalyst 
who produces Shadowrun had been talking about doing a Shadowrun miniatures game. Uh, they talked yeah, about yeah. Sprawlgangers releasing, yep. I think in 2012 was when they started um, uh, doing the hype for it. And I was excited. I quit Warhammer <laughs> to start playing the Shadowrun game that never materialized. And I was like a little sour about it. So every time we'd have these big freelancer meetings, I would be like, hey, what about that game? And um, and I would be like, oh, well, you know, maybe so, maybe next year, maybe next year. And I kept getting that. And, and after a while, it, it sort of became clear that they weren't actually going to do it. Um, and so I said, you know, like, what's, I asked myself, like, what's to stop me from doing this? Is there any barriers? Like, could I, could I do this? And like, once I started checking off the barriers, I was like, oh, I, there's nothing stopping me from doing this myself. If I would have known then what it would take to produce a minis game and to kickstart and to do all that, I would never would have done that. Like that was, that was a really <laughs> difficult process. <laughs> and I, and I, I, it took years off of my life. You know, all of this, all this gray here did not exist when fragging unicorns started. Um, but what we decided to do that because, and here's why we started a company. The reason we started the, the gangs of the undercity, that minis game that we started with, that's the reason because I wanted this minis game and, and it became clear that catalyst wasn't going to do it. Okay. probably. Um, but the reason we started our own company, was because it was like around 2018, 2019, it seemed like every time you opened up Twitter or other social medias, you're hearing something awful about somebody uh, who is a personality in the TTRPG space. They're Still. just doing awful things, like being awful, sexually harassing people, stealing from people, not paying people, like... And this hobby that gave me such life and gave me such a community, there's these people out there just being absolute jerkwads, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like, and what am I going to do about it? Like, you know, am I going to just like stick my head down and keep freelancing because I'm going to change the industry from within? No, I'm not. And like, that's just not who I am, right? <laughs> so I yeah. decided like, let's do it. Like, what if we were a company that was the company that we wanted to be right like what if we were um you know sort of a, a mutual aid company what if we were a sort of company that treated everybody equally what if we were a company that paid everybody like good wages and on time and you know didn't take advantage of people and gave them you know royalties if they wanted to and and didn't sexually harass people and and treated women and 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 minorities and lgbtq folk with kindness and what if we just did everything that we wanted somebody to do in this space and then uh, you know what what if we the what if we were just cool to everybody you know and, and that was sort of um the way it kicked off is we we just were the people that we wanted to be that's that's why we're that's why we're doing it that's that's really awesome and uh, i could definitely see that frustration because like really i'm so cynical at, at this point and every time i see uh it seems just a bit like i don't know if it's every month but just frequently that, that there's people you know that are in this community until the past a few years i've only played with matt and, and our other friends it's been yeah my community has been like 15 people so sure. but 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 doing the podcast and everything is is really kind of grown, you know. I I, I keep posting this this uh, Sonic Youth song every time one of these things happens. It's it's a uh, it's like uh, kill your idols or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, it's it's like you, you just can't 
put so much energy into these people that you're, yeah. you know, fan worshiping, even yeah. though, uh, you know, I'm a little fan worshiping myself, but, but you just, you can't be surprised that these people are going to turn around and do, do something awful that they have skeletons in their closet or they're, they're yeah. just bad actors. It's like, you, you know, it can't surprise you anymore when, when, when this stuff happens and, and yeah. so it's better to, to put, the energy into the people that you know and trust and, and, and these people that are vaguely somewhere in the community and they're, you know, have all this, this, uh, uh, power and authority. Just, yeah. you know, just, they're, 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 they're not any different than you. They're, yeah. they're, everybody's flawed in some ways. And, and if they appear that they're not flawed, then they're just better at hiding it. <laughs> and they're better at hiding it. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that, I, should make a, my... I should make a new t-shirt. Kill, kill Opti. Right? <laughs> Let's see the new new t-shirt. Kill Opti. Hey, kill you like Opti? Opti? Kill that guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, just you know. Yeah. If you if you meet the Buddha on the side of the road, kill him. Is that wasn't that the, the yeah. Same? <laughs> yeah? But yeah, you're right. Every time I, I every time I hopped on Twitter, it was like you see somebody that you like trending, and you're like, oh man, did they die? Did they touch somebody or did they say the N word? <laughs> right. Like, like, yeah. Those are the three things that go through my mind, and like, yeah, and yeah. and unfortunately. It was it was the latter two for like the longest <laughs> yeah. time. Every time somebody popped up, I was like, Ugh. so yeah, we may, we may not be the biggest, uh, you know, company. We're not going to produce the most. We're not going to produce the best. I know that, but we can be really cool, and we can be absolutely the the best people to other people and make them feel good about themselves. And if we put any of that energy out into the world, that's what I personally consider to be a success for Fragon Unicorns. Yeah, I mean, it sounds a lot like modeling what you'd want at the table. Yep. As a company, right? Yep. You'd want uh-huh. your gaming table to be, you know, safe, inclusive. That's right. Everyone can come and play. Why? Why would you run a company differently? Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like, if I if I can't wait around for the companies who are making the best games to start doing this, like, okay, fine. Maybe I'm not making the best games, but at least I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm going to do this right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we can't all get it right all the time, but you know, you can you can try, you know. Yeah. So Yeah, we've had we've had things that did not necessarily go, you know. We we tr- I say everybody on the team tries their best, but even we have messed up. Like the other day, I posted something on Twitter and you know, it was like a just like a word that I'm not going to repeat it. It was a word that I had heard growing up. It was like something funny. It sounded funny, you know, a phrase and I said, "Oh, blah blah blah." this phrase. And then something struck me. Like, I was like, I just put that on Twitter. Let me just check to see if that phrase is problematic somehow. And sure enough, it was like a slur about gay people. And I was like, oh my God, I just posted a gay slur on Twitter. So like I took it down real quick and immediately was like, hey, I just did this. It was totally an accident. I looked it up. I was wrong. Like, holy crap. And I think that's like the, that, that's the, the best I could have done. Yeah. But still, yeah. we're not perfect. We get things yeah. wrong all the time. Nathan's my handler. And it's not because <laughs> I'm out to say things bad. It's just I don't really keep up with a lot of I am in many ways a stereotype of myself. Right? Like I just don't keep up with all the things. Sure, you can. And I have. Yeah. There's been a couple of times where Nathan has sent me a note like, hey, you need to take that down. Because uh, same thing. I don't, I don't mean anything. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, it's like. 
you say something, he's like, hey, you might want yeah. to look at that. Yeah, that, or that, that could it's, be misconstrued. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right. He, he's, he, you know, Matt's just, he's the prototypical D&D nerd and just incredibly socially which, awkward. Which is <laughs> fine, right? Like, so I've discovered, like, there's there's two kinds of people, right? Especially as, as we get older, right? There's the people who, like, get mad when they have to, like, look you know, interestingly about their own behavior or these people who are curious, right? Like, Oh, like that's a new, that's a thing. Like, why is that? Why, why is that like bad? Like, why shouldn't I say that? Right. And they're not trying to be like rude. They just, if they understand it, like it's really easy to change their behavior around that kind of stuff. Right. So like as somebody who is autistic that I found out I was autistic later in life, which is really cool to look back and start putting those pieces together, right? Ooh, what a twist, right? But it explains a lot in my life. But I've masked enough in my life. I've created rules in my head enough to do social interaction that this is just one more rule, right? And I'm always curious to learn what the rules are, right? So this is just something that I can do. Something that comes naturally to me is to be curious about things and to and to make new rules and to um, do that kind of stuff. So it's just not that hard, right? Like if somebody goes... You know, if, if nothing else, when somebody says, hey, I don't like that, that doesn't make me feel good. Like, all you have to do is just stop it. <laughs> like, like, all you have to do is just not be a dick. <laughs> it costs you nothing. Right. It costs, right. It costs to be you nice. Nothing. Yeah. yeah so. I remember I remember one time I used to say the word. No, I'm not going to say it. It's the R word for for handicap. Right? So I'm with you. Uh, my daughter got right. me to stop. Right. So I used <laughs> to say my, this. It's my wife. She used to work in one of those uh, special homes where she treated yeah. and took care of them. Yeah, yeah. That was that she. When we got together, that was all stamped out. Yeah, I used to say this all the time. Right until my 18th birthday. Right. Mm. This is this is a long time ago. But mm. like I remember, I was out. Uh, <laughs> there's a. Re- Do we still have Sizzlers? Right? Do Sizzlers still exist? I don't know. They should. Anyway, right? I, <laughs> steak, seafood, salad, Sizzler. Anyway, I, we used to go to Sizzler all the time. And I remember I was sitting, it was like 18th birthday, I think it was at my 18th birthday. And I'm sitting next to and I was like, blah, 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 blah. And I said it real loud. Like, you're such a blank, right? Yeah. R word. And like, everybody sort of like didn't laugh. And like, they all like, their faces went really, like, I was like, <laughs> and I was like, and I get turned around, and there's like a whole family of handicapped folks, like in the booth behind me. And I was like, "That, that doesn't feel good. Yeah. Like I don't want to be that person. That like, you know what I mean? Like that just transformed everything. Like I never, I never thought about it that way, right? It just didn't occur to me. I was 18, and 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 I'd been saying this kind of stuff in my whole life, never wanting to hurt people. But then there it was, right? All it took was my words hurting somebody right there in front of them, and I thought, like I ruined that hurt their whole night. Right. Like I, that sucks. I don't, that's not who I want to be. So after that, anytime somebody says, Hey, I don't like when you say this about me or my group of people or whatever, I'm like, cool. <laughs> Stop. Right. Like, it's yeah. just that simple. Like, cool. No problem. I choose a different word. I find something else. It's just not that hard to treat people with dignity and ultimately to love people. Right. It's the loving thing to do to listen when people say, I don't like that. It hurts. This is yeah. not about subversion or misspent youth or the Neil Agnes podcast. But like, like folks, just cool. stop this being a dick. Right? No, 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 just, just so you know, this is not the first interview that has not gone. <laughs> we, we well, because it's just, we, it, we just tend to let the conversation go. So, yeah. Uh, you know, this yeah, is, no, this mean, is good. We'll, we'll get, That's we'll more important there. than my stuff anyway, right? Just be kind. <laughs> Just be kind to people. Yeah. Well, I think people like Gen Xers sometimes get a bad rap for, for this kind of thing. And and uh, you look at our 
uh, at our viewing audience, our metrics on YouTube. And it's, you know, <laughs> we skew pretty old and, and pretty, pretty male. And I assume, what? I, I, I assume yeah. probably mighty white, which is just sad too. But, but hey, uh, it's okay. <laughs> Everybody needs their niche. You, you, you can't. You can't expect everybody to listen to everything. I know, I know, I, I, but but I want everyone yeah, to love us. But need, it's, need, you need their own. This is the same them. guy who our very first episode said, "I don't care whether you listen to us or not. We're going to still keep doing it." I know what you're going to say they're, they can both be true. Uh, <laughs> if you don't like it, you can you can pound sand, pound which sand. is what I said. You can yeah. pound sand. We're still going to be here doing our thing, but but I want people to like it. But if you don't, yeah. go away and listen to something else yeah. you like. So <laughs> yeah, I, I can't throw any stones. I I, I will uh, text him on our Discord and, and and whine every time like we get an unsub. Right? Oh, it happens. Yeah. We get like the unsub, you know, and it, it and he'll always tells me, "Hey, it's the long term. <laughs> yeah, right? it's the long." And I'm always like, "Why?" <laughs> yeah, I had I had five. This is this is a weird <laughs> Kickstarter does weird things to your head. But I had five people cancel their pledge yesterday. Oh. And like I was like, why don't they like our game? <laughs> What's wrong with me as a person? I'm so bad. <laughs> like, it's, it's just, like, like, who knows? Maybe they had another bill show up. Like, it's like it's like five right. people out of 700. And like I'm like, they didn't like my game. I'm a bad person. I'm so worthless. Like, I don't know what I don't know why that happened. Social media and all this happens. it does this to us. It's programming us for these these little endorphin hits yeah. every time you get a, right. a like or a sub yeah. or something like that. So it's 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 part of the systemic uh, evil that we're right. If you were in the real world, you could just you could just not talk to me and not like my game in right, silence. Right. I don't have to see it in big red things saying this person unpledged. <laughs> Send me wondering why you know you know Matt forty two doesn't like my game. Uh, A little message: F you, Opti. <laughs> Kill Opti. Yeah, that's. that's- um, That's gonna come well, about four more times before I'm done with it. Just, just oh my god, <laughs> I'm having uh, a lot of fun here. So uh, let's touch on mi- misspent youth a little bit before we uh, hop into subversion. So uh, you've how many of these books have you put out so far? Or so that one is the only one we've put out. Yeah, Fall in Love Not in Line. Um, misspent Youth is a game that was created by Robert Bowl, who is one of the most punk rock and kind people that I've ever met. Uh, and he made a game, uh, Misspent Youth, where you are teenagers rebelling against the adults who have messed up the world. And the way I found Rob is I was looking around. This is back three or four years ago. Jeez, maybe even longer than that. When I was um, researching for Subversion, right? I, I had an idea of a mechanic in my mind. And I was like, I wonder if anybody has done anything like this. And so I, I searched and searched and searched. And finally, the only thing that I could find was Misspent Youth, who was doing almost the exact same thing I wanted to do. So I, I bought the game and Rob, like, and I can't do this, but Rob, every time somebody bought, bought the game, he would reach out and say, oh, thanks for buying the game. And I was like, ah, you know, responded back. And it's like, cool. And then I, I did, I was working with the uh, Shadowcasters Network back then and am again now. We did a live, uh, an actual play of Misspent Youth, and Rob showed up and was answering questions. It was just a really cool thing. We I hit it off with him, 
And I told him that I, I was looking in this is like this mechanic of selling out your values, you know, to get ahead. Like I thought that was brilliant. Right. And so you had to sort of decide, am I going to sell out or stay true to my values? And what does that cost me in the long run? You know, either way, I just that, that kind of question uh, about your values really, really was scratching an itch for me in the RPG setting uh, in the RPG scene. So we kept in touch, and then uh, a couple of years later, he said he was getting out of the industry. Like it just, you know, it was stressing him out, and he wasn't, he didn't, wasn't having fun anymore. He didn't want to do it. And so I said, uh, "Well, what's happening with the games?" Uh, he was working on another one, um, but anyway, Misbet Youth and and this other game that he was working on. I was like, "Hey, what's happening with those?" And he said, "Well, this other person's taking over this game that hasn't come out yet." But yeah, I don't know what's happening with Misbet Youth. And I said, "Dude, I would hate." for misspent youth to just fall into obscurity. I love this game. It's been formative for me. Uh, so if you want it to continue, you know, I just started this company, Frag and Unicorns. We had Gangs of the Undercity under our belt at that point. If you want somebody to sort of carry that torch, I would be honored, you know, to do that. And he, he said, hey, let me email you. And we had a conversation back and forth. And he says, yes, I think this would be great. I would love for you to take on uh, misspent youth and and do whatever you want with it and he you know honestly he just dropped everything on me dropped all the you know inventory just said it's yours just like that and i was like oh okay <laughs> great like, so now, wow. now we have misspent you beautiful and then a couple of years later or maybe a year later i don't remember time has no meaning after covid um we decided to to carry on by putting out another book in the series which was fall in love not online which it wasn't really an expansion. It was, we changed some of the rules. We made it streamlined. We Packaging. made it, yeah, not, I mean, it's, it's the same game, but like it's different rules. It's almost like a, it's second edition almost uh, mm-hmm. because we're really trying to get people who have never played narrative games, right? Traditional gamers who, you know, don't really get why you would do narrative games or people who have never played role-playing games at all. And so we basically just tell you what to say, right? Like GMs, this is what you read. Just read it, right? You don't need to like make up stuff. Just read this. Uh, and then, you know, the players, okay, here's what you have to decide between this and this. And like, you sort of gradually get more and more freedom as you start playing, but the, it's the barrier for entry is zero. You just pick up the book and you can start running it because it just tells you exactly what to say. And we give you different, you know, uh, six different settings to choose from. So if you want to play Stompy Mechs, great. If you want to play um, holograms, you know, sentient holograms, you can do that. If you want to play as, you know, punk rock kids, if you want to play as a fantasy. like So we put all these settings in there, did Misspent Youth. And uh, basically, it's it's still about rebelling teenage rebels, you know, uh, against the adults that are killing the world. Um, but yeah, it was, it, I love Misspent Youth. It's it's absolutely formative for me in, in how I think about game design. I'm going to read it. Uh, we've been practicing some other stuff because we were, we're trying some, some new things, but I'm, I'm looking forward to really d- diving into that. I will say one thing. Uh, I didn't write uh, hardly anything in that book. I wrote the, the safety tools that are in the back. Okay. Um, Clifton Lambert, who was, is my, one of my collaborators um, for fragging unicorns and almost everything else. And we're very good friends. He also is uh, Mr. Johnson on the arcology podcast and, if anybody has listened to that one, um, he wrote most of that. And we had some other collaborators from FUG write some of the settings. But I did the layout for this one. And it was my okay. first book that I did the layout on. And that was an interesting thing <laughs> to learn. So Joshua yeah. Yeah, uh, Joshua it, Newman um, sort of did the template. But like I was, that was my first go 
at actually doing layout for a book. So I kind of feel that was a first for me too. <laughs> it's got a zine type feel, which I, which I like a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that wasn't my idea, right? Like the first misspent youths also have that same vibe. Okay. Um, but again, like I, the, the work of like, Ever see the thing is with that book, like every different page has a different layout, right? It, yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. just, it's yeah. not just the same, right? It would normally book you in a book, you would just push the button and it would sort of auto populate all the different pages because they're all the same. And this book was like, no, every single page you have to like put it just. The, and I was like, throwing me in the deep end right? <laughs> layout right well, in the first book. It looks very photocopied, you know, yeah. different strips. It takes paper. a lot of work to make it look shitty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there, there does seem to be a lot of the folks who that we little games that uh, you know. So all the D and D games stuff, all those, there's always had great artwork in them. Yeah, but they were very much books, right? Yeah. And, and I, I like this trend. I'm seeing that the gaming books are taking on a very artistic flair to them. Yeah, like more and more. Work, I think it's a is the other way I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Put your theme in your des- in your design that feeling yeah. you want in the actual pages, not just here's 200 pages of type. Sad, yeah, you know, like, yeah, absolutely. It really, cool. it really helps if you have an artist in house. <laughs> if you don't, like, like, it's hard to communicate to an artist. Like, all right, listen, here's what you're going to do for this page and every page afterwards. They don't want that, right? They just want to get paid to do the work, which is right. absolutely <laughs> fine. Um, so you have to have somebody really, really passionate about what you're doing, you know, in order to make that kind of book happen. You mean not AI? I'm sorry. I had to say it. Oh, I am. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, so here's, do you want my hot take? Yeah. Hot take. yeah. I'm frustrated with the things we're using AI for, right? Putting artists out of business is really not what we're supposed to be using AI for. And also because we're doing that, all of the people who are getting put out of work by AI are also very influential people right? In, in all of these spaces I love. So the negativity that's being leveled against AI is now putting me in the position, this is how I personally feel, of not being able to like the cool stuff that AI could do because AI in general is now getting a bad rap, which is like mm. just so freaking lame, right? Like there's yeah. some cool stuff that we could probably be getting away with right now if AI wasn't just stealing jobs from starving artists. Like, Come on, guys, like you could make people's lives better. But instead, you're like putting all of these like TTRPG artists out of work. Come on, let's do better. Yeah. Like, why don't we put a bunch of CEOs into our categories and they (laughs) pump out a bunch of AI CEOs and stop paying those assholes? Right. Like that's that would be a good to society. Why don't we put AIs in charge of food distribution, for God's sake? Right. Like, let's let's put let's put the the AIs to work where it's actually going to matter. Uh, well, you, you know, it's, it's low hanging fruit. Um, you, you hope it'll, it'll come out in the wash and, and I'll digress a little bit here too. My, um, my dad used to make, uh, bows like violin, cello and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember like when I was a little kid, we watched this show called that's incredible. Yeah. I remember right. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. So, yeah, yeah. so there was a, um, uh, an episode where they uh, had like this factory making bows. My dad was watching this. Wasn't mad. He was in tears laughing. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he was in tears laughing at, at like how ridiculous it was. And like, you know, he wasn't like a big name or anything, but he'd get like 
what I would call a substantial amount of money for every time he'd you know, he'd actually finish a bow, which is yeah. Like, few and far between but but you know he was he was an artist he's like playing music and teaching and and, and fixing stuff and making bows on the side i've got i'm, I'm looking over there because uh, there's a couple sitting on my shelf over there oh that's cool hopefully there's still a way to kind of keep the artists working yeah. and and have this automation stuff was he laughing because because some of the bows had six fingers or like well, what no, was- i mean it's just it's just because <laughs> the way he did it 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 took him months, yeah, uh, like a couple months, because he would, you know, he would dry out the wood and and and, and bend the wood over time. And, but they and, were superior bows, or was well, he yeah, laughing yeah. because exactly? Okay. So that, that's kind of I'm hoping what happens with the art, where like you can look at something like a post on Twitter and say, oh, that's AI. You could just you can yeah. Spot it. And, so, and actually, I feel gross about it now. Like when I see something, like I was like, oh, I've seen that. I've seen some variation of that image 1400 times and I know where it came from and it's kind of, yeah, yeah. So, I'm crossing my fingers that they'll kind of wash out that the, that the human artists will, will uh, be able to sustain themselves. But even, you know, artists it, like musicians too, they don't, they don't make a lot of money. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm right. a product of that. So yeah, it, it's, it's not, uh, being an artist is, is, I think it's noble, but it's, it's not an easy road yeah. and you're probably never going to make much above minimum the, wage. So. Yeah. So the, the, the problem comes in again, in my estimation that when it's applied to certain industries and not to others, right. And, that is creating like the imbalance, right? So I'm fine. Like AI in art could be great if you have like artists now have to use AR, AI to compete. Okay, cool. So you have the artists who don't use AI versus the artists who do. That's like a normal progression of technology. Like you just mm-hmm. need to use the new tools. But if all of a sudden you have lawyers who now can also do art, that's that's not cool. Like <laughs> like, like like let you know, if the artists are also getting put out of business by AI, great. And I see no what reason why they shouldn't. You right? Law- because lawyers? like, yeah, you'd be like, lawyers, right? Yeah. What <laughs> lawyers do is actually way more like easy to program, right? Like mm-hmm. you just put all the laws into AI and say, Hey, did I break the law? Right. And right. the algorithm should be able to give it to you. Right. Like yeah, I feel yeah. like that's a that's that's less of an art than than AI is, but like the lawyers are never gonna let that happen. Right. Didn't yeah. I just hear a didn't I just hear about something that like an AI lawyer was kicked out, like not allowed to participate, right? Like threatened with uh yeah, anyway, look it up. They tried no, to do I, it. Because I was saying I wait for the first person when they ask him if they need a lawyer, they want chat GPT as their lawyer. Right. <laughs> why not? Yeah. But, but also, <laughs> right. But also, like powerful people keep those type of jobs like gated behind yeah. really expensive um, degrees and really expensive right. um, certificates. So, man, here we are. Right. This is the yeah. kind of games I make. Also, too. <laughs> I, I would say sort of the the so for me my perspective perception on sort of the ai is that so double-edged like i am clearly sympathetic to folks who are artists yeah uh, and there's also multiple layers in this so uh my our original art for our podcast was done by my sister mm-hmm. and um it, you know it still wasn't cheap right sure and 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 then i told her i was also looking at fiverr and she got really mad at me 
And she's like, you're not supporting us artists. Cause now I've got to compete with someone who can, yeah. can has a much lower cost of living to have the same, to have equal. Right. Yeah. And, and so she was upset about that. It's like, Oh, don't go use Fiverr. And we've actually used Fiverr. Um, and, and even through there, you know, we've commissioned a few pieces of original art for our podcast and they were not cheap. And right. we don't have a, we don't have a, um, what's it called? Nathan. Patreon. Nathan. Yeah. We don't have a Patreon. We, this we is a we hobby. Monitor. We have some, some, some merch, merch but, but we don't make any money off of that. Sure. No. Yeah, yeah. So for us, it's a, it's a big chunk investment decision to get a, a real piece of art. Now that's mm-hmm. great. Recently, we had a, a snap thing where we're going to run a, a live game and we needed like I needed a game board tokens, all this stuff. And, and I was able as a, a person not one, I couldn't afford to pay someone. And two, yeah. I needed it in two days. And all sure. the artists we work with, they require. So there is some kind of a happy medium, at least for us. I still see us paying when we want like a, a, a nice cover for one of our stories or something, something like bespoke. Yeah, and something specific, and with only five fingers, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, because the the two artists that we've engaged with both times completely well, and and my sister. So, but the two other artists we completely happy with, right? Yeah. But if you just want to jam out a token, right? You just want to put a face on something, right? And yeah. you don't want to worry about copyright, you know, because normally what I've done all my life is I've just gone on taken someone's art, turned it into a token, right? Right. Right. But now that we're doing this, it's Right, right. You could get in trouble. So, yeah. Right. I think there'll be a balance, and 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 we'll know, get there. I, right. Right. Yeah. It, but it it's is. You're right. I can, it is, and I can feel the. That's one of the things Nathan's had to tell. Like, don't get on there. And start posting all these fun things. Yeah. You do because yeah. There's no, such a lot the of time. angst right now. Right, right. Right. Let it. Let it happen. Like, let whatever is going to happen happen. You know, and support who you can in the meantime, because it's going to suck. But nobody is. No industry is immune to you know, technology that my, that just my happens. Work. Yeah. My work is on a path in another 10 years to uh, get rid of what I was trained to do when I got hired. They're, they're talking there are, about having machines. There are do tools. It. There are tools right now, right? Like that could, you could make the Neo anarchist podcast, right? With an AI. Like if you were determined enough to do it, right? I, you could even like do the inflection and, and, you know, just plug in, like, hey, mix Rush Limbaugh. Like, what if what if Rush Limbaugh was an NPR host uh, and also uh, a wizard in a cyberpunk future? Like, run that through the algorithm, right? And that's, like, the voice. And then, like, run through all the Shadowrun lore, plug it into chat, you know, say, hey, give me a give me a history in in the words of a, a, a weird basement-dwelling, you know, podcast host. And then, like, do it all. It, it, it could totally happen. You could totally right. do yeah. that. I've seen some amazing things in the last couple of weeks that they're doing thankfully like that's pretty niche so <laughs> yeah so what were we talking about today so we're, yeah we're about <laughs> some, some, uh, so grief for the little guy what, uh, but, yeah. what, are, yeah. what are ttrpgs again? <laughs> but this is what what old people do when they get together and hang maybe, out. Like, maybe play the games maybe I can get an ai to like invest in stocks and right. give me money. Yeah. Huh, you, so, know, you I, say it they already exist <laughs> they never sleep, and the account. What's crazy? The accounts that are managed by AIs for trading actually have lower overhead than humans. Yeah, so they're out there. They exist already, and they're just because because they again they never sleep, they never eat, they, they never go to the bathroom. They're just 
you know, it's like that. What's that from Terminator two or three? It's like, yeah. you know, it's the I've great done twice here. sitting here, but you want to hear something wild <laughs> since yeah. we're still not talking about TTRPGs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the first completely automated McDonald's opened up in my town. Oh Ooh. my gosh. Like you, there, you do not interact with a single person at all. The entire time <sighs> drive through, just get your burger and not a single person is making it or talking about it or taking your money. It is wild. That is, yeah. cr- you know, that's a whole nother podcast. Does your town have universal basic income also? No, or? my town is Fort Worth and they put the oh. goddamn place in the middle of the, one of the poorest areas in Fort Worth as if people didn't need those jobs. It actually <sighs> makes me quite angry. The irony makes me kind of irritated. Yeah. But it's going to be a huge problem, right? Yep. Who's going to deliver pizza? Right. Who's going to drive? Yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. Right. Makes there. me angry. Just, right. Like what the are people we that do? do these jobs are the people that need those jobs the most. And we're like, ha no, you don't get a job anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, you universal gotta, basic income or you create an entire entire like social cast of Morlocks who don't, you know, who just who, like, what do you what do you do? Like, there's no place for you in society. So like that. I hate that. It's the just worst. Go support a Whataburger then, right? Just go straight to the Whataburger. I uh, hate Whataburger. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I'm going to get more hate for that comment uh, than anything else I said. <laughs> I'd like to say that 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 my fond memories of Whataburger are based on rational thought, but I've never been there before midnight, so yeah. I'm not sure I if my memories are skewed. <laughs> I wasn't raised in Texas. Uh, oh, okay. I actually well, yeah, was raised in California, and so In and Out is my. Like I irrationally like in and out. I don't know if it's good or not, but I I salivate saying it out loud. So yeah, yeah so Matt's near garbage. the first uh, five guys. So we're we're <laughs> five guys is great. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's great. when we first uh, moved. When I first moved here, uh, five, five my wife AIs. and I were dating. <laughs> she took me to Five Guys, and it was just that was the place. And now you can't like swing a cat and not you know see a Five yeah. Guys somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I used to go into DC in Georgetown and I used to go to this, this uh, bar on one of the corners and uh, apparently that they had hamburgers there too. I didn't realize they had hamburgers there, but th- that was, I think the second five guys mm. it was, and I just, I had no idea what the name of the place was. It was a place. It was just a, a, a bar on the corner uh, in Georgetown. <laughs> so but anyway, yeah. All right. Now we're done. food podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> AI, <laughs> social justice. I think we. Like, ironically, <laughs> ironically, I tried Five Guys because of AI, because there was that auto tune song about Five the Five Guys review. And, oh, I have you know, not heard was, that. You haven't heard? Oh my God! No, really? Okay. Auto Five uh, Guys. It's, oh. Yeah. It's it's damn drops. Um, D a y u m drops. Five Guys Review Auto-Tune. Like, Google that. It'll blow your mind. It's <laughs> amazing. And you'll want to eat Five Guys. And that song will get stuck in your head. If you haven't heard this, it's auto-tuned song. It's amazing. I kind of want to pause the interview while you watch it. <laughs> oh, oh, my. Is it this oh, my, my goodness. Oh, oh my, my damn. Yes, that's it. <laughs> Honestly, I don't mind. Go ahead. You'll love it. Either both of them are perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Nathan. Oh gosh. All right. Get back to the interview. Whew. So, uh, I think we've covered a lot of ground. So let's let's. <laughs> I, I wanna, I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about subversion, but but uh, I'm going to start it off. I'm going to start it off with with kind of the low hanging fruit here, which 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 is Shadowrun. Yeah. And I'm going to say that 
there there are some resemblances. <laughs> sure. But it looks like you really kind of, one of the things you did is looks like you put it on its head where instead of technology being kind of the, the, the constant, you know, growing technology, technology is kind of the new kid on the block now where, where magic has been the constant. Right. So yes, to address the elephant in the room, <laughs> Shadowrun had been I'm sitting deep. right here. You're right. <laughs> come on, come on. Um, we're 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 self well self lovers in this room. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I don't know how to answer this like in a in a in a big way, but I'll say I've had to answer this question. Isn't this just Shadowrun? Right, like literally once a day for. Like yeah, two I, months. I, I can tell it's 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 definitely not, but there are yeah. some Well what I what I'm gonna say is like the reason that people say that and not like like people don't go to um like the one ring RPG and say, Isn't this just D D? Right? Like like <laughs> right, why right, wouldn't right. you ask that, right? Like D D people don't go to D and go like, Isn't this just Tolkien? Right? Like when like the answer is yes. Like a hundred percent. First edition was basically like, how do I make Tolkien into a, some kind of game? But like, the reason that I get this about Shadowrun is because for thirty years, Shadowrun has been the only, you know, game in that genre, right? Yeah. So yes, yeah, somebody had to co- right. Even. Cyberpunk fantasy like is Shadowrun. That's that's all there was. Mm-hmm. So if you are the kind of person who wants to be snarky online and say, "Isn't this just Shadowrun?" Like. Sure, if only one game or thing can exist in the genre, I guess that's true. But if you allow <laughs> that multiple things can exist in a in a genre, even one as sort of focused, I guess, as, as cyberpunk fantasy, uh, then there's actually not much of a overlap between Shadowrun and, and Subversion. Because in Shadowrun, like what you're doing, the cycle of play is you and your team are mercenaries and you get uh, a, you take a job for a shadowy Mr. Johnson mm-hmm. character who has usually very bad motives because he works for a corporation and you end up doing corporate work on behalf of a shady person for their own personal benefit um, just so that you can sort of survive, right? And you usually do a murder or a kidnap or <laughs> some other sort of nefarious thing. Uh, and then you get money and you upgrade your cyber arm or you upgrade your magic or you upgrade your guns, which allow you to do your mercenary criminal stuff better. That is not at all <laughs> like the game of subversion. Mm-hmm. Um, in subversion, you are a a representative of a community. You are an envoy who does direct action to save and benefit the people around you, the people closest to you, the people who put you in that position. And so everything that you're doing has to live up not not only to the values that you have, which, by the way, in Shadowrun, like values, what is that? Right. Like like and that's not a criticism. It's just that's not what the game is. Um but in subversion, like your values are important, your your teammates' values are important, your community's values are important, and how you manage those while still trying to benefit everybody and do what you're supposed to be doing is the sort of main loop in uh, subversion. And along the way, you also have to deal with when I do something that's not quite in alignment with my values, what does that mean? And also, like, what does it mean when somebody points a gun in my face? Like, am I supposed to just get over that? Is that a normal part of life? Like in Shadowrun, you don't ask these questions. In Subversion, you're asking these questions all the time. 
the, the dice mechanic is different. Like I, everything is different other than the genre, right? So, mm-hmm. but to get to your, your point, if we're going to have fantasy and cyberpunk in the same world, Shadowrun has already done that, you know, magic comes back into the world, right? So we didn't want to just copy that either, right? So what's yeah. the alternative? If, if magic isn't coming back into the world, what if, we wondered, uh, magic has always been around? And what if technology came, came in later? What would that dynamic be like, right? So in our world, magic is sort of a stand-in and a metaphor for money and power. Uh, and so the people who have magic are the ones who became in power. They're the ones who sort of control everything. But now technology is coming uh, onto the scene or has been for a while, right? Because we're, we're in a cyberpunk world, not a industrial revolution world. Um, so it's, it's been on the, on the upswing. But recently, right, like huge moves forward in technology have meant that you can do things, uh, normal people can do things that previously only people with magic could do. Right. You can now call people on the other side of the world. Well, previously you needed a seeing stone to do that. Right. Like, so that kind of stuff, it's sort of flattening the world. And the hope is that, you know, it's going to make everybody equal. Well, what's actually happening is capitalism took over. (laughs) Right. And, and now only the people who have access to that technology and could afford to use it are being equal. So instead of now the only people with magic are the ones in control, you now have the, the mages, the, the, the old houses of, of magic. You also have the corporations and you have the guilds and you also have now organized crime. And all of those factions are now fighting while the people on the bottom, the, the neighborhoods and you know, the, the little folk and the, um, the people who are marginalized, they're the ones who are now saying, well, what about me? And that is where the envoys of subversion come in, right? They answer that question. What about me? By saying, if every, if nobody else is going to take care of this problem, I'm going to do it myself direct action. Yeah. It feels a lot more um, heroic than Shadowrun. Like, uh, uh, like Shadowrun, you, you're the, the default is you're, you're, you're paying a, you're, you're playing a criminal uh, right. of one side or another. Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering, uh, and I was like, not surprised when I found out that you had, had a hand in that. I wrote uh, better than bad. Better <laughs> yeah. bad. Yeah. I'm looking at, at, at at hooding and, and I was like, well, that's like, this seems like really similar to the envoy. Yeah. Concept. One of my so, frustrations was that the release of that book, like right after that, they released, they, they announced so, sixth yeah. edition. And I was yeah. like, y'all didn't even let that marinate for like five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> like we can't even have, we can't even have a, a Robin hood book for five minutes before you're moving on. And there's been no hint of anything that I put in that book any of the themes or, or even any of the like mechanics or the, the lore, it just got dropped. And that was, that was kind of a, I was sad about that. <laughs> well, here you are. I like the theme. So and yeah. that, that spoke to me and that's why I bought this with my own hard. hard if you like money. better than bad boy, have I got a book for you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, so talk about Neo Babylon. You talked about a little bit in your description yeah. of, of the game. So tell us a little bit about Neo Babylon. So Neo Babylon is a city that is about 450 years old. Um, the world, the, the calendar that we use starts um, when Neo Babylon was founded. So the world takes place in 450 by Neo Babylonian reckoning. And how it got to be Neo Babylon is a sort of larger story that um, takes place, you know, in the history of the game. But Essentially, if we 
gave it as a given that magic has always existed in this world, we had to ask ourselves at what point and and what culture or civilization was the first to sort of use it on a big scale to sort of jostle things loose from you know our history and we we thought that um for a number of reasons right babylon would have been a good candidate right because babylon sort of stole from other people they brought people into their um uh you know into their city and they they brought like the smartest and the best from everybody they stole their culture they stole their technology and they made sort of were good at uh, co-opting things. And we thought like, what if they co-opted people's magic and what if they co-opted, you know, people's uh, culture and we sort of just use that and, and fast forwarded it. Right. So Babylon, instead of falling, you know, roughly I don't know, 600 BC and sort of going on decline and then Alexander the great, just wiping them off the map. What if instead they use magic to stop that decline and instead had an incline and the way that Rome and uh, the Roman culture had an influence on Western civilization, what if Babylon instead had that sort of outsized influence on culture and civilization? We asked ourselves, uh, what would it look like? How, how has religion and uh, culture um, operated since the ancient world? And you know, basically, it syncretizes, right? So you have some sort of dominant religion or dominant culture it goes into another culture that it's conquered and those old ways don't go away they just get sort of reskinned and brought in so we thought babylon would probably do that they're like sort of into stealing things anyway so as they go into a place they steal their culture they steal their magic and all of those old things don't go away they just get brought in that gave us a cool way to push things forward in a way that was similar to our world right so now you'll see our gods, our Babylonian gods, but they have traits of the other gods that they've conquered, right? So, for example, mm. Nabu is the Babylonian god of wisdom or knowledge, uh, but you'll see him holding the staff of Hermes, and they've got an eye patch like Odin, right? Mm. Because when they move through these other cultures that had very strong ties to their deities, they absorbed what those deities like ultimately stood for. So there's a big syncretism that moves forward. Um, and then fast forward to Neo-Babylon, where this huge technological city has gathered all the different, you know, uh, representatives from all the different nations in the world and founded this city, which grew way past what they thought it was going to be like. And now Neo-Babylon is uh, the world's biggest and uh, most complex megacity in the world. And that's where the action takes place. I like that description. I like, And I hadn't, didn't really read about the gods yet. So I kind of like how you describe them kind of, of borrowing. We haven't really <laughs> unpacked that in the book yet. Like that's, oh, okay. there's, there's a couple of different places that I need to, to, to make notes about in the, the lore part, the sort of back of the book. All right. If you really want to dig in, like here's the stuff, right? Here's how the world operates, but I haven't gotten and, to that part yet. Yeah. I really like how you're providing access to, to the beta as, as part of the Kickstarter. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Sometimes you get like a quick start or something to kind yeah. of what you're struggled with is- that decision quite a bit um because again it's like it's what what if they don't like this <laughs> right like <laughs> we, because like we we're doing kickstarter because we need money right we need money to make this happen because we don't have any sort of capital to to speak of so if i if i give people this thing they can immediately look at it and decide if they like it or not and that's a scary thing right like what if a lot of people look at it and it's not finished yet so what if they they see the unfinished bit and they go oh this is garbage uh, I'm not backing this, but then 
you know, uh, sort of like misspent youth, right? Like I have my values and one of my values is transparency and, and telling the truth and like letting things be free. So, ugh, right. <laughs> Just throw it out there. Yeah. And, and uh, we thought, you know, if somebody does, if somebody buys the book or somebody looks at the book and doesn't like it and they don't pledge, um, we actually told ourselves, actually, that's probably good, right? Like, do we really want somebody who doesn't like our stuff to be buying it or be a part of the community, right? Yeah. And the answer is no. Like, if you don't like what we're doing, then don't don't buy it, right? Don't be a part of it. Don't try to force it if it's not something that you're into. And that made me feel better about the whole thing. It doesn't make me feel better when somebody pledges and then doesn't pledge <laughs> and removes their pledge. It still hurts. <laughs> But um, the feedback we've got from everybody, number one, people just saying, like, wow, you've given the whole book away, like, during the Kickstarter. That's that's pretty ballsy. Good for you. I like that. Like, that's confident energy, right? So, okay, that, that makes me feel good. But then people say, like, oh, I love this lore. This is great. Thank you for allowing me to get into it right now, and I don't have to wait, you know, until the Kickstarter comes in. I can start planning and playing and doing this stuff now yeah. and i love this dice mechanic this is great you know and and i love the, the way the resolution works and look at the, the the layout on this and then i get to come back and say that's not even our final form right and <laughs> everybody is like super like jazzed and excited about it and the things that they don't like they're now on our discord saying hey have you thought about this or like hey i found a typo or hey we're, i was like man this is like we're getting free work here like i don't mean to like right, sort of like they're doing a lot of work out of joy. Yeah, and yeah. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't say, Hey, go, go work on this book for me. They just said, Hey, is there a place I could give feedback? And it's like, sure, let me create this channel. Right. And then all of a sudden, so yesterday at our, at our normal Tuesday meeting, we just spent time going through all of those comments. And now we released a new version. Well, we haven't released it yet, but like we, we made a new version. That's like 50 times, 50 times, 0.5, 0 0.05 times better than the last version <laughs> it's important to be precise um, so yeah it's but but we but we've gone through that document a hundred times right and we still didn't catch those things that these people who had been looking at it for five minutes caught i'm and looking at a typo right now but yeah and the game's better for it right and so i'm overwhelmed at the people who are already so passionate about this right and and it, and it wouldn't have happened like this if we hadn't released the rules and everything like for free right off the bat. So yeah, that's, that's really awesome. Yeah. So I think probably people are, are going to want to know uh, a little bit, uh, some of the more mechanical stuff. Sure. And, and for me, like I always look at, at character creation first and, and I see that you put that towards that's that's chapter three. Yeah, <laughs> and you, it's, you an start internal, with, it's an internal conversation that happens all the time. <laughs> it, you can click. It's, it's a PDF. I can click through it. It's, it's fine. It's it's yeah. it's whatever. But you start out with with creating a community, and I, I went through that a couple times. Well, at least with my group, I think that would probably be the most difficult part is mm -hmm. trying to to collaboratively come up to, uh, come together and and build a, a community. Yeah. Yeah, an idea for community. So, yeah. so uh, I think it's it's really cool, and it really I think it would do a good job of, of kind of tying everyone together. You know, common purpose, common cause, common uh, common factions, things like yeah. that. But so, so I really like that a lot. But I think if you could kind of walk us through that 
I guess my personal question from from backing this is, is are you going to have uh, some examples yeah. of, of community? So, so but, but but first, if you could walk, walk us through what building a, a community looks like. Sure. So um, we assume that you're going to have a session zero. We assume that you're going to be talking uh, to some extent before you actually start playing and, and making characters. So um, right after you sort of do your session zero or during your session zero, um, you would you would do the first thing that you would do before creating characters is making your community. And that basically involves deciding what kind of community that you're going to be, right? Are you going to be a group of nomads? Are you going to be a uh, neighborhood? Are you going to be some sort of um, cell of, of rebels? Are you going to be a um, an, an office, a small office full of people who are pushing back against their middle manager, right? Any of those things are, are you going to be a rock band, right? Um, whatever you decide to be is uh, the first thing that you decide, the sort of theme to your group. But then you would you would decide uh, what your background is, like what your community is particularly good at. It's almost like a, a character, right? Uh, itself. Yeah, it feels like a character, yeah. <clears throat> um, but then you would decide uh, some of the NPCs you would sort of choose. Um, and it doesn't need to be collaborative, actually. Like some of it is like every parent, every PC just chooses one thing, right? So collaborative, yes, but if you're not feeling collaborative, everybody just chooses one and throws them into the mix and see what happens, right? It's not, mm. it, you don't have to like spend a lot of dramatic time in relationships with deep thought and looking lovingly into the other eyes. Um, you can just pick something and move on. But then uh, you would choose the values of the community. And this is probably one of the things that matters the most choose the things that your community itself values, right? If you grow up in this community or if you're drawn to it, what are the sort of things that you take for granted, right? Uh, does this community value hard work? Does this community value uh, making sure everybody eats? Does this community value uh, making sure kids are, are given everything that they need, right? Like those are the kind of things. And we'll have a big list of things that you can choose from if you're not feeling particularly uh, creative as well. Then you would choose the impulse for the community. Like, so when the community itself gets really stressed, right? When there's a lot of pressure put on the community, how does the community uh, uh, release that energy, right? Do they get violent, right? Do they all get drunk, right? Do they all go to the sports games? Like, what do they all gamble? Like, what's the sort of default position when things get too much in the community? And then you would choose the, the resources that the community has, like the things that, um, by being a part of the community you have access to uh, and that you can benefit from as your character. And that's, that's, that's basically it. So one of the things I was noting on this, and it's, it's just a quick question. So yeah. the impulses, there's impulses for the community, but if I understand it, there's impulses for the players as well. Yeah, right. That's correct. Yep. Uh-huh. And uh, the impulses for the community work a little bit different. The impulses for the community are things that the GM can trigger if they get, uh, if, if certain conditions get high enough, like they can say, um, you know what, this, this has gone on long enough. I'm going to, I'm going to trigger this impulse. And so the, the, the envoys now have to respond to that impulse in real time. Right. If everybody's brawling in the streets, right. Like that, that's a problem for the community. You know, you could let it, you could let it sort of play itself out, but that's probably going to cause a lot of damage. Right. Yeah. If, um, if everybody's writing or, or if everybody, 
you know, if a large percentage of the people just get drunk, like what, what are the kids doing, right? And what are they learning from that, right? The envoys can choose to sort of ignore that and let it ride, or they can choose to get involved and sort of try to uh, address that. And that's that's just GM, you know, um, it's just a hook, right, for the GM to use if they want to. The, it doesn't have to affect things. On the other side, and then we're taking a little bit of break for, for community, but I'll sort of circle back around. But um, impulses for characters are things that, the characters can use to get their grit back, right? So grit is a sort of mechanic, uh, sort of me- uh, metacurrency that allows you to keep going uh, after you're sort of not, you know, supposed to, right? Like you, you get your health gets down so low, you're like supposed to be out of it. You're like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend grit and I'm gonna get back in the fight, or um, I'm gonna push past my limits. I'm gonna use grit to sort of force the world, uh, force fate to sort of favor me, right? So grit can do a lot of cool stuff. Um, but once you're out of grit, you're busted, right? You're done. Your character can't go on. Uh, and so once you're sort of low on grit, it can be a pain to get grit back up. So one of the things you can do is indulge one of your impulses, right? If you indulge one of your impulses in a way that sort of inconveniences your party, right? Like it's like you're in a session and you're like, hey, I think I'm going to get drunk. It's like, that's that's not at all what we're doing here. What do you mean you're going to get drunk? <laughs> like, like we're on the way to investigate this haunting Right. And you want to stop by the bar and get drunk. That's obnoxious. Right. OK, cool. That's obnoxious. It's making everybody frustrated here. Have three grit. Right. Like you've your impulse has sort of uh, it's not it's not a good it's a bad way for you to deal with what's going on <laughs> in your life. Right. Um, and, and so the, the GM can also trigger uh, an impulse. Right. If the GM spends some of their grit, then they can sort of force a player to indulge that. Or if a player says, you know what, I, I hear you spending grit. I don't want to indulge my impulse, right? Player agency is important to us. I'm going to kick that back to downtime, right? So then the player has to give up one of their downtime slots in order to indulge their impulse because they sort of pushed it down when they were in session. So that's the way an impulse works in in play. It, it gets you back your your grit resource. Um, but yes, to, it's a, to sort of swing back around to community, we will also have sample communities if you just sort of want to grab one and go uh, that'll be easy enough to do. Especially when I'm learning a game, I like to have something to kind of look at and say, okay, this is how you build like an interesting uh, yeah. community. And and then, okay, well, you know, what appeals to me and what doesn't appeal to me and what would yeah. I change? And, and so I, I like having uh, some reference. Pieces You'll to, notice to that from. there's no pre-made characters or maybe there is. I don't know. I didn't do the layout. The thing is, even if there's player, there's uh, pre-gen characters or pre-gen um, things in there, there those are not going to be the ones that are the final, right? We have committed to <laughs> making sure the book is ready to go to print mm-hmm. before we make pre-gen characters and before we make pre-gen uh, communities because invariably when you try to make them along with the book, they are going to get messed up when the rules change a little bit, yeah. like if a yeah. balance thing happens. And yeah. that is a headache I don't want. So making uh, sample characters and sample communities is going to be the very last thing we do uh, just before uh, changing all of the page XX to whatever pages there are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's totally understandable. So. So I think I, I get that now. That's that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I have faith in your group to yeah. make a community. I believe in you. Uh, uh, we'll see. <laughs> but there's a lot going on with with the the PC generation too. You've got different lineages: uh, dwarven, elven, goblin, human, orc, and yetin. Um, yeah. 
Yeti being the big uh, hairy or non-hairy ones. Yeah, uh, Yetis and Sasquatches and ogres and just big folk, yeah. Uh, origins are those kind of like nationalities or what, they're, what they're the, a bit like cultures right so our, our assumption was that neo babylon is a sort of melting pot right if it's mm-hmm. the biggest city on the planet um dwarfing even places like new york or um or tokyo or whatever right it's just huge so our assumption is like there's a lot of monoculture right You're, you don't have just a sort of one group of people like in america you have okay. You, you have Spanish culture, which is which is pretty prevalent, right? You also have uh, like in Texas, right? There's a there's a kind of a strong German culture in certain places, right? There's we assume that that would also be the case in Neo Babylon, and that's not necessarily where you're from. That's just the culture that your family is, right? So you've got these sort of traits and lineages and the way you were raised and, and how you were brought up that affects you actually more than your lineage does. That makes sense. And I see backgrounds. You know, there's. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, looks like um, like a a current or previous role you had. So was, yeah, was what, like, what were you doing before you became an envoy? Yeah, there, or what skills? You know, what sort of things? How did you get your skills? They're mostly um, mostly narrative, but it sort of affects the people that you know. Yeah. Okay. The, and, the design that, seems to be very socially. I mean, you have things like you know relationships, right? So yeah. There's community relationships, individual relationships, debt. Uh huh. Right? Yeah. So starting with sort of a motivator, right? Well, to sort yeah. of yeah. 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 shoot into action. One of the things we wanted to do with debt, right, is just not make it a sort of purely mechanical thing, right? But if you have a debt, number one, you're, if you're a lower caste, the debt terms are worse, right? <laughs> you have less access to, to the fortune that you get, right? And the debt terms are worse. But if you're like a higher caste, then you have access to a higher line of debt and the debt terms are are more favorable. So we're just sort of baking that in. And somebody goes like, that's not fair. Nope. And we go, yep, <laughs> that's right. exactly. Like, that's not fair, right? <laughs> like, so it makes you mad. Great. It makes <laughs> yeah. you, should make you mad, right? Because like, that's that's how things are. Yeah, we, we baked in those things uh, because that is what this game is about, right? It's about relationships. Like, you cannot, you know, if this game is about rebellion and pushing back against authority, like, Doing that by yourself is just suicide. Like right? you're just asking to be marginalized and put in a box, and nobody remembers you, right? But the more people you have, the more people care about you, the more people you love, and the more different your community looks than the default um, sort of uh, uh, larger community around you, then then the higher chances that things will change and, and change around you, at least. But yeah, like there, there's one thing that you can also get grit back right or the the gm can spend grit uh to force <laughs> this is the this is the weirdest thing that i think we do somebody asked me about my favorite uh mechanic and i i lied i said it was something else but when i thought about this i was like actually no that's my favorite so after a scene right gets done you can you can gain grit or the gm can spend grit if you talk to another player about your feelings about what just happened <laughs> so so if you're going through a scene and like you encounter a ghost and your character says i would like to talk to you know my my friend here about my feelings if you do that in character say hey that really freaked me out like you know i remember my mom like used to talk about seeing ghosts and it really freaked me out it's like i'm really rattled about that and the friend responds like hey it's gonna be all right like i'm giving grit to that person right like that's because why 
because in real life, that's how it works, right? You share your feelings with your friends <laughs> and it makes you feel better. <laughs> so how do we bake that into the game? And it's like, well, won't people abuse that? Like, yeah, probably. But like, what do you get? You get a bunch of role playing, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. what? So like, we've done what we wanted, right? Like the mechanics benefit you if you share your feelings with your friends. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> that rules, cool. right? And if you're not willing to do that, like, all right, fine. Like you can do that, but you're not going to get the benefit from it, right? And somebody might get mad about that. Yeah, but yeah, that's, that's the game we're making, honestly. So, so uh, the what are the the me- mechanical benefits of of grit? What what do you use it for in, in the game? Yeah, so if you get attacked, right, and either your health or your animity, which is like a sort of um, mix of emotional and mental stress, right? Um, if your health or animity gets damaged, you can spend grit on a one to one basis to basically absorb that and not take it, right? Um, that's, that's sort of main thing that you can do, right? So in essence, it allows you to keep going, right? If you take damage, you can say, I take grit and I just push through it, right? Or you can like on a one-to-one basis, you can uh, re-roll a dice, right? If you don't like, if you rolled five dice and you're like, oh, I don't like three of those, spend three, three grit and re-roll it. You can also, there's certain abilities that you have that say, hey, spend a grit and you get to do X, right? Above and beyond what you can normally do with this. Um, it, it's basically that kind of stuff, right? That you can spend grits. Can you hear my dogs barking? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, those are yours, Nathan. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, yeah, no, they're totally Nathan's dogs. <laughs> man, man, what a, what a drug mind before I record. What a garbage <laughs> podcaster you are! <laughs> How unprofessional. Um, but yeah, that, that's what basically what grit is for. And on the other side, the GM can basically do the same things, right? Like with their NPCs, they can uh, give them re-rolls or, or, mm, or okay. force those conversations yeah. or, or force the impulses. Or if the GM gets a lot of grit, right, that's when the community impulses can get triggered. Like, hey, first, you've done enough stuff that the GM has accumulated 18 grit. <laughs> the GM's going to spend it now. <laughs> like, I'm going to trade in my 18 grit. And for whatever reason, there's a riot in your community, right? So. <laughs> Yeah. One of my uh, itching, burning questions. I, I, I use that phrase a lot. Uh, it's, it's, they have, it's a, they have a salve for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was say, it's uh, not always in TTPRG. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, in some cyberpunk fantasy games, uh, the, 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 the act of, of hacking seems to be what do they call it? Uh, tacked on or, or yeah. a separate metagame. How, how are you handling? hacking or or breaching i guess in in this yeah it's called breaching in in our group because you're sort of breaching the the uh the firewall of the of the thing you're breaching because we can't just call it hacking that's boring um uh yeah so we decided uh long ago (laughs) that one of the things we didn't like about other cyberpunk games not just shadowrun but like it just seems like um, cyberpunk as a yeah. genre emerged from one or two books where the main character was this hacker, you know, who who did that. And then it was only them. And, and I thought of every game I've ever played, like, does anybody get excited about this? Like having to learn completely separate rules, no. completely no. separating from the rest of the party while the rest of the party is sort of like, and like, I can't think of any benefit to doing that. So we just said, let's, 
what if what if we didn't do that? <laughs> so uh, the hacking basically works the exact same as every other mechanic in the game, right? You have your um, cyber kit, right, that you cobble together yourself that can let you do illegal things, but it's not going to feel any different than doing any other thing. You know, it has its stats. It allows you to do cool stuff, but it should feel the exact same as anything else you want to do in the game, including combat. Um, there is, you know, more complexity to it than that. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it's it's not its own mini game, and it's not separating anybody. Right? You're you're not having to go on hour long deep dives into things. In fact, there is no uh, VR in our world at the moment. Like that technology has not uh, breached the public yet. So um, we've committed to if if a uh, VR right going into a uh, system virtually if that's going to be something that we're going to do and i think it will be right to be honest we're going to make it so that uh the entire team can go in and their uh the way that their head works will sort of translate into their abilities in that world and the breacher will just sort of make that possible right so i i don't ever really want an adventure where the team gets separated by that it just it's not fun and i don't like having the the breacher or the decker or the hacker to have to learn a whole other mini game. I, I never understood it. I never understood why you would do that other than you're just trying to be true to Neuromancer. And, mm-hmm. and I, I don't, I don't think that that's the only source book, you know, to be true to. So we, we got rid yeah. of it. It's, it's not it, like it, it came out a, a little while ago. So yeah, it's 30 years now. old, 40 years old now, <laughs> you know, it, you don't need to, it's that, that's not the only cyberpunk book anymore, guys. Yeah. You can, you're allowed to, you're allowed to dream differently. So yeah. good answer. I could answer. I just also, I love Neuromancer. <laughs> put, put the tomatoes away. Right. I, I'm not, I'm not down on Gibson, but like, let's, let's also not just repeat Gibson. Let's do what yeah. Gibson was doing for a new generation. Right. Yeah. Enough time has passed. Yeah. Other little things, magic. It looks like you have a few different schools. You've got arcane, sacred and sublime. Just the, you know, touch on the differences between the three. Yeah, so uh, they're they're not schools necessarily. They are um, different ways. Right <laughs> well, yeah, no. So arcane has a bunch of different colleges itself, right? But they're all arcane, right? Uh, they're all sort of flavored and and skinned a little bit differently. But um, it's really sources of magic when you start talking about that. So arcane magic, the sources, the ambient magic all around you, and what the mage does is sort of gather it together and form it, you know, almost into like, you know, into a sort of harmonic form, right? And then use that to to um, to cast spells, right? So I'm going to take the ambient thermal magic that is in the air around me. I'm going to form it into a bar of harmony and use that to cast my spell. Um, and there's different colleges for that arcane stuff, so you can learn how to do that with... Um, thermal magic or light magic or you know they they all have their um sort of uh counterparts with the different types of energy in our world right so if you if you want to think about like magnetic you know forces or nuclear forces right those those are all different types of magic in our world Hmm. the other type of types of magic are um sublime which is tapping into the magic that is inside of every person so everybody could theoretically 
learn how to do this, but it takes somebody teaching you, right? So you have to have a master and it also takes a very long time, uh, you know, and a lot of hard work to do that. So not everybody's going to do it in the same way that not everybody's going to become a Shaolin monk or whatever. Right. Um, but you could, <laughs> uh, because it's all the magic that's inside of you that, that mag- that matters. And the way that that, uh, comes up in game is you have, uh, sort of always on powers, right? So you just choose, like, I'm going to use this particular uh, power and I'm go- it's going to be on and always affecting me until I change powers. And the more powerful you get, uh, you can have more that are on all the time. Mm, okay. Then you have sacred magic, which is uh, not magic inside of you and not magic that's ambient. It's actually magic coming from somebody else that is loaning it to you, that is sort of channeling their magic through you. Uh, whether that's in, in, in Neo Babylon, that's mostly gods, right? That are, that are doing this, but like that sort of, um, the door is open for other stuff too, but essentially that's what sacred magic is. It's magic that comes from outside of you and essentially you can cast it right away, right? You have this connection to this higher being or this other thing and you just sort of open yourself up to it and cast that magic, but then you, you're dissonant, right? You're not you for, for a second and you have to sort of, um, take a minute and re-exert your own will, re-exert your own agency before you can try that kind of stuff again. So that, those are the three magic. And, and there's different, you know, the different gods that you can choose that, that represent different, you know, um, cosmic ideas. Um, the different uh, um, sublime folks have different elements, right? So they, and it, was, it wasn't intentional, but it, I, I, I gotta admit, I don't hate it. Um, but the, the sublime folks end up being a little bit like, like, uh, avatar benders yeah, I see earth, right water air fire, yeah it wasn't it wasn't yeah. intended that way but like once we started figuring like oh this is a sort of um you know martial artist that that does elements <laughs> like oh well all right let's lead into that it's fine <laughs> somebody says i want to play and you're like great you can do that here you go <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then like i said you know the the different colleges uh, of magic are the ones that show up in the arcade Cool. That's pretty cool. I, I like our magic system a lot. Yeah, like it, I mean, it's, it's, it's very endearing. Of, yeah. What you described, it's got a lot of flavor and, and something I want to dive into more. Yeah. The, all the paradigms look pretty good. So it's like a huge variety of paradigms, which are, I guess I would say are kind of like your, your character classes. Yeah. They're like uh, clusters of abilities that have yeah. themes, right? But unlike D and D or whatever, like you're not stuck with one, right? You can pop into a paradigm, grab a couple of things you like from it. Like if you're, if you want to go into brawler, so I just want to punch harder, right? Sure. Yeah. Like learn how to punch harder, take that one and then move into, I also want to shoot. So I'm, I'm going to take, you know, something, the military paradigm and then I'm going to, Oh, I'm also, you know, um, you know, working with a Shaolin monk or whatever. So I'm going to, I'm going to become a firebender. Sure. Do that. <laughs> you, you, you can take it from whatever you want to and, and build your character, however you want to, but there, there are benefits to going sort of straight up, right? You'll, you'll get more powerful in a particular thing. If you, you know, going in one paradigm, you'll, and be go the, up, but, you'll be the paradigm of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> there's no, there's no, there's no reason that you couldn't just take a, a few things from other paradigms. If your character wants to be different. Yeah. So I, I think, I know we've talked a lot about the lore and a lot of different things, but I'm, so I'm very much a mechanics person. So I'm just yeah. wondering, we actually kind of skipped over a couple of different things I thought were interesting and I wouldn't want to skip before, you know, would right. be one, the dice mechanic itself. Yeah. And then the concept of progression tracks. Okay, seems cool. to be from my read kind of very prevalent along a lot of aspects of the game. Yeah. So the basic way that you would handle things is progress tracks. And so I'll come back to that afterwards once, once I explain the dice mechanic, but uh, the dice mechanic is um, 
Well, it's very elegant, uh, and I and I I don't know if anybody else has done it. Although somebody has told me that it's similar to a game that they played like twenty years ago, but I forget what it was. But the, essentially, you roll a number of d six equal to your skill in whatever you're trying to do. Right. So if you're trying to um, I don't know, create a chemical reaction with the things you have uh, on hand, like like MacGyver, uh, then you would roll science to do that. If you have a five rank in your science, you would roll five dice. If you have a six in uh, science, you'd roll six dice. Pretty straightforward. Uh, And you would roll those dice and you would keep the highest three and add them together. That's basically your roll. And you compare that up against a TN, just like D&D, right? So if you're attacking somebody, then you're going against their guard. Uh, if you are trying to climb a mountain faster than somebody else, then maybe that's, you know, physicality versus the other person's, you know, physicality role. Uh, whatever that target number is, you know, just like in D&D, you know, it sort of varies. But uh, that's the basic mechanic, right? You roll number of dice equal to your rank, keep the highest three, and compare it to a target number. How, how does stats and skills balance? Yeah, the attributes that you have go from zero to seven, and they act as a flat modifier, right? So if you have uh-huh. a if you have a four in um, in in brawn, for example, and you're trying to push a rock, right? Roll your physicality, and then you would add your four right on top of that, right? So oh, okay. it's pretty so straightforward, that's, that's right? You total. So twelve yeah. on the dice becomes like a sixteen. Yep. In that uh-huh. case, okay. Yep, and we thought like just make it as straightforward as possible, right? So if you have a four, you add a four. Cool. So that's that's the basic thing. Um, like it's a little bit more complicated than that, like in the long run. But yeah, mm. that's it, it. Creates this really really nice probability curve, right? So, and again, I'm not bagging on any other game. I, you know, it, it's it is what it is, right? But it allows you to sort of do things pretty quickly. You're not having to compare your roles up against anybody else's roles. Um, you are and like. Um, in D&D, right, you're not missing uh, one out of every 20 times you do something, right? I, it's like you have the best swords master in the world and every 20th time they stab themselves in the foot. Like, that's just not <laughs> that's just weird, right? I, I, and again, not to not to slag it, like, because D&D was my life for, like, a long time, and, and, but it, that just felt unsatisfying to us in some regard. So, in in Subversion, if you really decide to put effort into being the best in something it it's going to mean not only are you more likely to hit uh you're more likely to crit right you're more likely to do amazingly well and you are far less likely to to not just to miss but you're far less likely to critically miss to do so badly that it affects other parts of your life right um and so yeah we we just we really love the way that that um probability curve it doesn't change the the range of you know you can still go from three to eighteen like that's never going to change but the amount right like at, at rank nine the amount that you're rolling eighteen is like one out of every three like so like yeah. but even, you know right just uh, just imagine like the best there ever was at whatever it is you're trying to do right like Bruce Lee right he is going to to kick the shit out of you right like like every time but like one out of every three times it's just gonna knock your ass out on the first hit and that feels right it feels good to us right and and also bruce lee is not gonna slip ever right <laughs> so like that, that just it just felt good but uh, to get to nine in something right like that requires effort that requires like this is what i'm going to do 
right? This campaign, I am going to journey from being okay at something to being the best there ever was. And that's really all I get to do, <laughs> right? And like, and, and maybe help my community out along the way or do some other things. But like, you know, but we also say, hey, if that's what you want to do, you should be rewarded for that, right? Every time you do that thing, you should feel like an absolute badass. And so we've created that, right? If you put the points right. into it, yeah, you will. Because I'm assuming that's a trade-off, right? Because those are points yeah. that they're not there's they've chosen to specialize yep. instead of sort of be a jack of all trades. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, we 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 sort of love it. And the way that this all sort of shakes itself out is if you hit the target number, then you will make progress. Uh if that's uh if you're if you're in combat, uh progress is is damage. That's sort of how it, it works itself out. If you're doing something else, like, uh, you know, picking whatever. A lock or... Yeah, picking a lock or hacking something, right? The the difficulty of that is one thing, right? So the, the GM would set the target numbers. But also, like, if it's something that has a time limit or if it's some reason that, that uh, it would take longer or if, if somehow not doing it soon or, or if you have a... You know, I don't know, whatever. If you if you miss, like there's a consequence, right? The, the GM might say you have to make a certain amount of progress on this, um, you know, or else you fail or or you won't get to do it unless you make this progress. So uh, if I say the target number is 15 and you have to make 20 progress, you know, you're, you might breach the thing. You might get success, but that's only five success. So you have to get that much, you know, uh, four times while your your party is fighting <laughs> right um in order to in order to get what you want done the cool thing is is that if you beat the target number by 5 or more that's a dynamic success so you do double the amount of progress you would normally do okay. uh, if you crit on something which is rolling uh three sixes on your kept dice then you would do triple damage right which means you do uh triple the amount of progress or damage that you normally would do. So a really, really good person can hack something in, in a third of the time, you know, or, or at least, you know, half the time as somebody who's not that good at it. Okay, cool. That makes sense. Yeah. And that, progress, progress tracks yeah. are basically like everything, right? Like anything you want to do, it's either a single role or a progress track. And so uh, everything in the game uses the same mechanic. Well, and, and that, that's an elegance to it to it so yeah. yeah that you can you know from from hacking to combat to social uh social combat <laughs> uh-huh. it, it's all the same kind of mechanic you don't you're not using different systems different mini right. games so that's that's actually pretty, and, and pretty, if the players want to throw a, a you know a curveball like if they get into a fight and and somebody says hey i want to try to talk these guys down like you can absolutely do that right the gm just creates another progress track to talk them down and or if you're trying to intimidate somebody, right, then maybe the GM says, you know, uh, the the damage you've already done to them, right? You've already beat them up a little bit. Maybe I don't need to create another separate track. Maybe like I'll just say if you can do as much damage as the health they have left, right? The GM has a lot of freedom to do that, right? To just sort of create progress tracks that make sense to them in the time. Like there's going to be guidance, right? And, and the GM won't have to do that. But if the GM... Uh, gets thrown a curveball on the fly. All they have to do is just add a progress track with a TM, and 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 let their players lose. I, I think uh, I've learned a lot about a lot of things tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, this this game looks really cool. Um, uh, you you've already 
beat your goal. Uh, and uh, uh, I hope that you even have more success. How much, uh, uh, probably take me a couple of days to edit this, but uh, how much, uh, uh, when does the campaign end? The campaign ends March 22nd. Okay, so lots of time to back it. There's a lot of good uh, art in here. Do you want to give a shout out to any of the, your artists that uh, worked on this? Uh, yes, the cover art and the art of the gods was Marco Gonzalez, um, who is amazing. Um, and, and one of the stretch goals was to create extra art for the book. So um, I'll definitely be reaching out to Marco to do uh, some more of that. We also have an artist named um, Willow Bell, who's uh, one of our recent hires, and she's doing amazing stuff. She's drawing art of the, the different uh, lineages and cultures. Um, there's, there's other folks that I can't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I wasn't expecting that question. No, I, yeah, uh, I, I threw, threw a curveball at you there, but that yeah. was pretty. And it's uh, not because they're not important or awesome. I just, uh, they're like not on the top of my head right now. Like, uh, and are because there any stretch goals that are uh, yet to be unlocked? Uh, so, yes, we have uh, at the $50,000 level, which is, I think, less than less than less than 7,000 away. Uh, we have a fiction anthology that we're going to make. So we're going to make a, a whole book of fiction with different authors doing vignette stories in the world of Neo-Babylon. Uh, at 60,000, we are making a map of Neo-Babylon, the city itself, and we'll uh, allow that to be purchased as an add-on. But everybody will get it as a PDF. Uh, at 75, we have a third adventure PDF, uh, which will be released for free. The first two stretch goals have already been met. Uh, so everybody gets the two adventure PDFs that we're making, everybody who backs at any level. And then at 100,000, uh, we're making a GM screen. And GM mm-hmm. screens are really expensive. So uh, yeah. it always like it always weirds me out Like when, when people are like, hey, if we get to 20,000, we'll make a GM screen. I'm like, what are you? What are you spending your money on? That you could, <laughs> like GM screens are expensive. How are you doing this? But yeah, we we wanted to make sure that we can meet all of our goals and and do all of our stuff. But uh, yeah, we're pretty excited about that. I will say also there are a couple of hidden ones that if we get, um, I can't say the number because it's sort of wibbly wobbly. But um, internally, if we get a certain number, then we're going to do German translation for subversion and oh, um, and release that into the German market. Yeah, oh, cool. good for them. They're good. <laughs> yeah, they're good. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's because, and, and and I should say too, like we have, we have somebody in uh, Germany reached out to us to ask us if they if if that would be a possibility. Uh, and I was like, I don't know. It's kind of expensive. They're like, I really <laughs> want to do this. Would you let me help you? And I was like, Yes. Uh, somebody <laughs> somebody from Hungary reached out and did the same thing. So um, there's definitely uh, a thirst for it in other um, in other languages. We just. <laughs> we know what we can focus on. So if we have partners, like great, I'd love to, you know, work with partners, but I know my limits and, and <laughs> translation is certainly not in my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will be sure to link the, the Kickstarter in the description as well as uh, link to the uh, YouTube channel that you're on now. Um, Thank you. Anything else you want me to, to put, throw in there uh, while we're thinking? Uh, about so much stuff. Yeah. Uh, I just started the Neo Anarchist Vidcast, mm-hmm. which is uh, basically an in-character Shadowrun history that's on YouTube. So if you go mm-hmm. to the Shadowcasters Network on YouTube, you can see that. But other than that, um, 
basically, if you want to go to fraggingunicorns.com and shop for cool cyberpunk fantasy stuff, or if you want to go to Amazon and buy Neo-Babylon Knights to get uh, our first fiction anthology in the world, Neo-Babylon, you can do that. Okay. Or whatever. Or not. You know, live your life. Agency and freedom. I mean, nobody's going nobody's gonna to bust your chops about it. <laughs> oh. Uh, thank you so much for spending twice as much time as I thought we were going to have with you. So this, this is really cool. Um, this has so been a theme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I really, it, it's so, it's so, so nice to meet you. Like I, I've I spent a lot of time listening to your voice uh, on the podcast. So it's, it's nice to uh, meet you face to face. No problem, uh, Nathan. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your freedom, Nathan. Oh, Jesus Christ. Who knows when your life may end? <laughs> Advanced age and all. There you go. That's Thank you so awesome. much. <laughs> Matt, Matt you, you, you go listen to it. You'll understand. Gotcha. Get... That's, that's an in-character joke, Matt. <laughs> well, thanks so much. Uh, and uh, listeners, viewers, thanks for, for uh, sticking around this long. If you made it this far, that's that's why God made the pause button. But uh, <laughs> uh, we'll see you next time. And uh, have a good night, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.